college football talk like you've never heard before. The pinky finger goes up the nose. From the tailgates. He is a terrible tipper and a terrible human. To the touchdowns. He's going for the corner. He's got it. We have everything covered. Place at the table. Here are your hosts, Patrick Maher and Andy Staples. This squad is in the house. Another okie doke on our part here. That I am not Patrick Maher. I am Dustin Sweetelson sitting in for Patrick, hanging out with Andy Staples, getting you ready for an enormous week of college football. Mr. Staples, how are you doing? I'm all right. I'm doing good. I'm very excited about this this weekend of college football. A uh, little disappointed that the Thursday games are not, you know, leading us up into it. But basically, I, I know that college football gave up on Thursday when the NFL started playing on Thursday. Yeah. Which so is we'll get the, the occasional right Pac-12 after dark. Like Stanford, Oregon State wasn't supposed to be good. It turned out to be good last week. Yeah. But, you know, we got we got UCLA and Utah tomorrow night. So I'm good with that. We're as I need to learn about this podcast time stamping thing, Dustin. That's what do you the, mean? As, as we are, we're still fairly new to the podcast. Oh, game. about like not yeah. giving giving away what day you're yeah. recording, right? You and I, well, you suppose, or just give be very transparent about it so people don't get confused. Okay. So we were recording this on Thursday night at seven o'clock Eastern time. Yes. So if I, you know, last week Patrick and I recorded right at the very end of the Stanford Oregon State game, so we're basically commenting on it live as we were recording. But yeah, that's that's one of the things that we're we're more used to the radio biz where it's live and going out as you're saying it yeah right and now yeah so but we that's all right it's i like this it is an intimate conversation and if you get sidetracked and spend 10 minutes arguing about gas stations <laughs> it's okay i still stand by mustard should never be alone on a burger a lo- who would no who would put mustard alone on a burger that's what unless, crystal does unless it's a chili burger a chili burger from the varsity in Atlanta should only have mustard on it, just as a chili dog should only have mustard on it. All right, while we're on the topic, we'll get into football in a little bit here on Place at the Table. Uh, I need to know, where do you stand on the great ketchup on a hot dog debate? Because people are very judgy about it. I don't get that fired up about it. If you want to put ketchup on your hot dog, great. I Sometimes I'll put ketchup and mustard on it, but I always put mustard on it. Yeah, I'm I'm big on as many condiments as possible. But you should not put ketchup on a chili dog because that you've already got something tomatoey from the chili. No, that's fair. That's a fair point. I don't think you need ketchup on there. I really don't think you need much else. Maybe just some onions. Maybe a little cheese. See, I'm not a. I do not like raw onions. It's it's one of those. I got a few things that it bugs me that I don't like. Like I don't like raw tomatoes. I don't like raw onions. I wish I did. It would be easier to eat everything and not be so picky. But you know who that's probably great for. Your wife, because I used to date someone that was terrified of tomatoes, um, like hated the seeds, like, like afraid the, of them, like wouldn't would eat tomato products like ketchup and pasta sauce, marinara sauce, whatever it was, but wouldn't eat like just a tomato, kind of like you said, a raw that's tomato. Me. Yeah, that's what I'm like. She didn't like the seeds. So basically, anytime we went out to eat. Oh, you got all the tomatoes. I would I would order oh, something with tomatoes nice. on it and be like, I, the tomatoes makes the whole meal. How can I not get tomatoes on it? And yep. that way I never had to share. Oh, you are a sneaky little bastard. I started, my best friend and I used to go out all the time for for wings, watch games, whatever, and he couldn't do spicy food. So to make it so that he would never have any of my food, I would order the spiciest thing on the menu. Wow. See, I I don't give food to my to to male friends. Like my wife can take anything she wants. Well, yeah, you know, you just some, you have some friends who are like, "Hey, let's share," and you're like, "No, just order your own thing. You have a job. Buy another." I don't. I don't share food. Yeah, buy like, something else. My wife and I actually made a rule early on in the relationship that we each order our own our own dessert. We don't share desserts. Sharing because, dessert is a sham because you end up eyeballing each other. Like, you gonna eat that last bit? You gonna eat that last bit? Yeah, uh, and at least if you each order something and you want to share, you can order two different things, and you don't feel like you missed out. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. All exactly. right. Well, let's get into some of the game, the games this week. Uh, before well, we, we do digress. that, yeah, we have to look at what came out this week. The very first college football playoff, and everyone loves to trash how they don't matter, but I freaking love them, man. I love I these too. rankings. We talk about this stuff more than anything, and you know, it. I always laughed when the the bowl people were like, "A playoff will kill the regular season." 
Well, guess what, folks? The regular season's even more interesting. Yeah. It would actually be more interesting if you made it eight teams because there would be more teams involved to talk about. We'd be talking about the teams ranked maybe one through 12. Right now, I think we're, I feel like we're talking about maybe one through six. Yeah, because it gets confusing. It, it definitely gets confusing as we work our way down. Let's, let's go but over. But I, I have nothing to complain about no. in terms of who the four are right now. No, but we all know they're not going to be the four at the end. No. History tells us it's not going to be this four. Exactly. Which is weird because it, it feels like a good four. I, like this, If this were the playoff, I'd be good. So I've heard some people complain about Clemson, but when you look deeper at Clemson, oh, yeah. they have the most top 60 wins of any team here. Exactly. That, and, and that's the thing that people don't realize. So their, their signature win is at Virginia Tech, which is a very good signature win. But the thing is, they beat Auburn. Auburn's six and two. They won at Louisville. Louisville's okay. Who both were ranked at the time. Right. In the they, top fifteen. They beat Boston College thirty four to seven. Boston College is five and three. Wake Forest is five and three. Syracuse is four and four. Georgia Tech is is five and three or six and two. I'm I'm blanking on it. But so I I mean they haven't had to really play much chum. Yeah. And, and here and here's what people kind of forget about this. It's not just about where the team you beat is ranked now. That plays a big role, but them being ranked at the time you beat them still matters. No, it, it won't. It doesn't as much. And, and the committee will take it into a – here's what the committee needs to do, and I think they've done a decent job of this. You need to identify the difference between that team was ranked that high when they played because their quarterback was still healthy – Oh, you want to get or, really nuanced. Or that team was ranked that high when we play, when they played because everybody's stupid and ranked that team too high. You you got there there's if it's a if it's the first game of the season and and it's just a screwed up preseason ranking and and a team just got missed on then it does not matter what they were ranked when they played. Now, if it's if it's a case where a team was ro- like let's say 2007 Oregon. Okay. If you played 2007 Oregon before Dennis Dixon got hurt, that's very different than playing them after Dennis Dixon got Fair hurt. Fair point. Fair point. That that you know what that is interesting, but you know what I just keep thinking about when we look at these rankings is why does the Associated Press keep doing theirs? Because people click on it. That's it. Yeah. Because when I look at this, clearly the playoff committee has their own way of viewing these teams. Obviously, we see at the top where they put Georgia number one over Alabama. We all just assumed Alabama's number one because they were preseason number one. But the college football well, playoff doesn't have a preseason ranking. Well, and they've been so consistent for all these years. But yes, the playoff committee's only using this year. Yeah. And Alabama doesn't have a signature win yet because Florida State did not really hold up its end of the bargain. So, yeah, that's that's the reason. And, and Georgia has the Notre Dame win, has Mississippi State and. Alabama's going to have Mississippi State in a few weeks, but and they're going to have LSU this week, and they're going to have Auburn, so they'll, they'll get their chance too. But they just the way the schedule has broken out, Alabama's wins are not as good as Georgia's wins right now. Yeah, and a team that has a loss that doesn't look so bad because it's to the number one team in the country according to these rankings is our number three team in the playoff rankings is Notre Dame. Do you have any issues with Notre Dame being number three in the nation? Not at all. Not at all. They've, they've, they've dominated the games they've won. Uh, they, they've got three wins against teams in the, in the playoff committee's top 25. They've won each of those three games by an average of 25 points. I mean, nobody's clubbing people like that except Georgia and Alabama. So I have absolutely zero problem with it. And, and look, if, if Notre Dame's 11-1 and one after playing that schedule, which means they still have to beat yeah. Wake Forest – at Miami, Navy, at Stanford. If they get through that at 11-1, they've earned a place in the playoff. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And, I mean, that offensive line's tremendous. I mean, they're they're back. I mean, one off year, and we kind of forgot about them coming into the year and dismissed them a little too early. And then they lose to Georgia, and everyone's like, uh-oh, what are we yeah. going to do with Brian remember, Kelly? They lost by one to, <laughs> to- Georgia. And and now that we know what Georgia is, it's like, oh, okay. All right, but hold on, let, let's talk about Georgia real quick because I've seen this before. I've seen Georgia pick up the hype, not quite to number one, and I've seen them fall short many times. But Georgia's actually beaten people this year. That's the difference. This isn't hype. 
They beat Notre Dame in South Bend. They crushed Mississippi State. Yeah. Crushed them. They crushed Florida. They crushed Tennessee. It's it's not like this is and this, I keep saying this is last week was a prime example. A Mark Rick Georgia team would have beaten that Florida team like twenty four to twenty two. Oh yeah. Maybe. Or, or Kirby, lost. Kirby Smart wins it forty two to seven and is really mad about the seven. Yeah. Doesn't this I mean it feels like mini Alabama right now because they're doing it, it the feels old school. Like, it feels like two thousand eight Alabama. Yeah, it feels it, like this. Yeah, exactly. Which, which is probably bad news for Georgia in the SEC championship game because Florida handled two thousand eight Alabama pretty handily in the SEC championship game that year. But that said, I this Georgia team, the way they're playing on defense, they might be the only ones who can slow down Alabama's offense. Yeah, nothing says more two thousand eight Alabama Crimson Tide than uh Jacob Fromm throwing four of seven for a hundred and one <laughs> yards and are, a forty two to are, seven. Are win. you saying that John Parker Wilson wasn't the best quarterback that Alabama's ever had? He certainly had the best Bama bangs of any Alabama quarterback. Uh, I don't know where you stand on well, this, but I'll... I don't know. Him or Brody Croyle. Yeah, I was going to say, I was gonna, he's no Brody Croyle. Brody Croyle, man. I I still think about Tyrone Prothrow and what could have been. Because I remember Tyrone Prothrow on the... I believe he, Brody Croyle was his quarterback. Maybe John Parker Wilson was. But in those Alabama teams, I thought Tyrone, Tyrone Prothrow was going to be a Heisman Trophy winner. I don't he, know if you remember. Well, Oh, Tyrone Pro, I was there the day he got hurt. Stop. Yeah, I was. That was against Florida in 2005. I was, I was covering Florida for the Tampa trip. Tyrone Prothrow made the best catch I've ever, ever, seen ever against Southern Miss. That that I think it was the first game of the of the 05 season, or maybe it was in the 04 season. But yeah. he was just he was outstanding. They had some. They had some. That 05 Alabama team was really good. Even Mike Shula had a hard time screwing it up. Uh, it was. It was pretty loaded if you if you look back on on some of the guys that that got drafted out of that team. But Prothrow was amazing, and it just it was so awful when he got hurt. Like you could hear a pin drop in Bryant Denny Stadium because it was a that was a thirty one to three game. Like yeah. it was over. And I I mean I thought the criticism of Shula for playing him was a little rough because if it had been a close game, he'd have been in, and he might still have gotten hurt. So. You take the risk when you play that you're going to get hurt. It's just that injury was so horrific, and the game was out of hand. Yeah, and then he never came back from it. Really. Yeah, I mean that that that's probably the saddest part of it. Um, but let's look at some of the other teams ranked. You know, it gets weird at about five, six, and seven because Oklahoma, Ohio State, Penn State, and the committee very simply lays it out as Oklahoma beat Ohio State, Ohio State beat beat Penn State. <laughs> that's how we rank it. I, I'm okay with that. I, I'm okay with that. The, look, if you have the same record and you played head-to-head, give the team that won the head-to-head the nod. Otherwise, why'd you play the game? I think that's fair. Um, then at 10, Miami's number 10. And I mm-hmm. said last podcast, they're playing with fire. They're due for yep. a loss. They're going to get one here. It's either this week or next week. But Miami at number 10, and I get they're undefeated. But if we're looking at the best teams in the country – and the committee is basing it on what they've seen this year. I don't see how you put Miami ahead of Oklahoma State well, or don't. Washington. You don't because you think if they played that those teams would win. But here, here's the deal: there, there's no reason to worry about this because if Miami is still undefeated come December third, then they will be in the top four because they will have earned it. Yeah, because they will have beaten Virginia Tech, they will have beaten Notre Dame, and they will have beaten either Clemson or NC State. So there's nothing to worry about. That that will sort itself out. Almost any issue you can come up with with the first ranking, I can tell you exactly how it will sort itself it out. It will work itself out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know what worked itself out? Team at number 19, LSU. Mm-hmm. They seem to have worked things out down on the bayou. I mean, I, this week maybe. I don't know. I mean, they, they had an office, offensive explosion against Ole Miss. So has everyone else. There's still 19 in the country, and we were talking about firing Orgeron like three weeks ago. Oh, we were firing Clay Helton three weeks into his tenure at USC. We're just we're very reactionary. <laughs> all right, all right. Is there anything else in the rankings that jumps out to you that you want to touch on? No, I was really. It's weird because most of the time, I get kind of fired up about this because I feel like they got 
something really wrong, I'm good with all of it. I, I think this is a this is a pretty accurate deal. And and like I said, I don't get as fired up with this one because it will work itself out. Like the first year it drove me insane that they kept TCU over Baylor. Because Baylor yeah. had beaten TCU and they had the same record. And then and then they flip flop them in the last week and everybody goes nuts. But they should have been flip flopped all along. All right. All right, man. You I didn't think you were gonna get heated about it. I do. I that <laughs> that really bought that one always bothered me because you know, if you're going to do it wrong and have the team that lost the head-to-head ranked above the team that won the head-to-head, yeah. at least be consistent with it. Well, sure. I, I, You know what, though? We got to give them credit for learning because, you know what, they were they were new at this, and yeah. every year they've kind of learned a little bit more. Well, and... and that's the thing. The, the Georgia number one gets me thinking about, because I, I have to do a projected playoff in my Monday column every uh, week. I bet you love that because that means that people have an opportunity to see you publish something where they can tell you you were wrong down the road and about how you hate their team. <laughs> oh, it's it's fun. Let me tell you. At least I don't have to do a top 25. Yeah, anymore. why do you hate the Georgia Bulldogs? <laughs> well, here's the thing. I kind of agree with the committee, but I also think if they played that Alabama would win. Oh, so that's why I, I have I Alabama think, number one. I don't think anyone doubts that. I don't think anyone doubts no, I'm, that. I, after seeing Georgia in person, I have a little doubt creeping in. Really? I think they'd give Alabama a very good game. I, I don't I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Alabama would beat Georgia. And wow. the Fromm thing, everybody's like, oh, he, he doesn't throw it all. He doesn't have to. It doesn't mean he can't. Did you see the back shoulder throw he made for a touchdown? Yeah, and I mean that all opens up because he's got Chubb and he's got Michelle, and feel like people don't talk about Nick Chubb enough. I know Sony Michelle put well, up gaudy how numbers. About De- how about DeAndre Swift? He's their third back, and he'd start for like a hundred fifteen teams. And I think a Vander Holyfield's kid got in the mix last week. It, it, well, that's the thing. He's probably the fourth guy, and he'd be getting he'd be at least a rotation guy on almost every team in the country. Except Georgia and maybe Notre Dame. So or, basically, or Alabama. Alabama's like nineteen deep at tailback too. So basically we can we can end it at at Georgia is essentially mini Alabama. They're Alabama izing the program in Athens right now. Very quickly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well let's let's move to some of the games this week. Uh let's start with Georgia, number one in the country, hosting South Carolina, twenty four point favorites. We miss you, Patrick. <laughs> Look, South Carolina plays them tough normally, but I think this is a different breed for the Bulldogs. Here's the thing. Plays them tough normally, as in during the Mark Richt era, I think we can throw that out. That's a fair point because Kirby is clearly doing things that Mark Richt didn't do, and I love Mark Richt. He's coaching my team now in Miami. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think we can forget about some of the recent things that have happened. This is a team that gave them problems. A lot. Yeah. And so, and South Carolina coming to Athens with a quarterback three or four years ago would have been like, oh no, the Georgia fans, how are we going to, how are we going to figure out how to lose this game? They did it with Steven Garcia. That's right. So I I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case this time. I think Georgia is going to pretty severely out talent them. You know, the thing about South Carolina is defensively, they're in the right place most of the time. It's just that that roster got so depleted toward the end of the Spurrier era that they just they can be in the right place and you can just run them over still. I don't think that's going to be the case in the next year or two. I'll be interested because I, you know, Jake Bentley is there for at least one more season. I think next year they may have a little closer to what they want on on defense personnel wise. And that's going to be a really interesting team in the SEC East, although if Georgia is Alabamaizing, it may not matter. Yeah, I mean, it, up until what we're seeing from Georgia here, competing in the SEC East was a quick turnaround. You could it turn was. that around in a year, and you then really you give your fan good, base yeah. hope. Yeah, a couple of good players, and all of a sudden you were in the mix. Yeah. And that's I think that's one reason why Tennessee fans are so mad. They should they, be. Because they, they feel like they missed the window. The window was the last two years. The window was 2015 and 2016, and they didn't win the East in that window and now Kirby's come to Georgia and and gotten it rolling, and everybody else is going to have the oxygen sucked out at this point. That that's the thing. Unless Florida absolutely knocks this higher out of the ballpark, 
Georgia is going to own the SEC East well, if here, this keeps up. Here's something that what you were just talking about put in my brain. Uh, I wonder, I get the SEC, right? I get the appeal. I get the money. I mm-hmm. get the exposure. I get the recruiting base. All of that, right? Why I'm do you want to go get your brains beat in? Yeah, I'm an, if, yeah. I'm, if I'm a coach and I'm on the radar of all these national programs, am I scared to go to the SEC right now with Kirby Smart in the East, Nick Saban in the yeah. West, kind of doing the same thing, owning it, when I can go to another conference that's a little bit easier for me to win my style of football and have a better shot at competing for a national title and conference championships? I think you've seen that. I think you've seen that over the last few years. I think you've seen some really good coaches pick – jobs in other leagues that aren't the SEC, one, because those other leagues are now paying what the SEC pays. You know, the Big Ten has more money than the SEC. They get more money out of TV than the SEC does. So, But the SEC still pays its assistants a lot more, right? They did. They don't anymore. Oh, not anymore. If you're at a big-time Big Ten school, you you can pay your assistants a lot of money, too. Now, Wisconsin still doesn't because Barry's, Barry's not down with that. But I would bet when Nebraska makes this higher – that they'll start, that they'll be, I mean, they were paying some assistance pretty well on, on Riley's staff, but I would bet that their coordinators are going to make a ton of money next year. Um, Penn State, they're already doing it. Michigan, they're doing it. Michigan State, they're doing it. Ohio State, obviously, they're doing it. So the, the marquee programs in, in that league work just like the programs in the SEC. Um, Oklahoma and Texas are starting to become more like that. Uh, in the Pac 12, USC's kind of like that not if it were more like that USC I think would would dominate that league but you are seeing coaches go to other league and the ACC is a prime example because they're they're doing decently they're getting decent amounts of money and then programs that have huge fan bases and sell out their stadium like Clemson they can afford to act just like an SEC team yeah and that's that's what Clemson's done that's what Florida State has always done so I yeah I don't I, I why would you go and get your brains beaten in the SEC West if you could go into the Big Ten West for the same amount of money and win it? That's that's the thing. You know that it'll be interesting because like you would think Texas A and M is a better job than Nebraska because there's more players nearby. Yes, yeah, so it's in your you backyard. Know. But the thing is, that's a program that hasn't really done well historically. You're going to have to play Alabama and Auburn and LSU every year. Nebraska's going to pay you maybe close to the same amount of money. It's harder to recruit to Nebraska, but that's really the only negative because it's a lot easier to win there. Yeah. You know, you got to beat Wisconsin and you got to beat Iowa. And and if PJ Fleck gets things going at Minnesota, you got to beat him. But that's not the same as having to beat Alabama and Auburn and LSU. And then if, if Mullen's still at Mississippi State, he's good every once in a while, you know, yeah. every, every other year, basically. They have a pretty good team. Uh, still just, ranked 16th, by the way. They're good this year. They're still ranked 16th. I feel like they got hyped up really early in the year, and I was well, all it's, aboard. It's because they, they pounded LSU. Yeah. That's what it was. And then they lost badly to Georgia and Auburn, but then they bounced back. And look, they look dominant against Texas A&M. So it'll come down to, to playing Alabama for them and – uh, for whatever reason, Alabama's defense is kryptonite for the Dan Mullen offense. It just it, it does not work very well. All right, well, let's let's move to Alabama because, you know what? In most years, LSU-Alabama, you can't even make a case for another game the same week being better than it, but I think we have a few. <laughs> you can make a case for a lot of games. and But doesn't t- – tell me this. I, am I crazy or doesn't it feel like – we're all just kind of checking back in on Alabama this week. We were like, okay, did you enjoy beating everybody 66-3? to three? Yeah. Um, so we're going to watch you this week because we think there might be some a somewhat competitive game, but we reserve the right to turn it off at halftime if you're up you know, 34-2. to two. Yeah, history tells us LSU should compete. We don't think they will, but maybe we'll keep an eye on it on one of our small TVs this weekend. <laughs> That's the thing. That, it's funny because I think a lot of people voting and doing all that stuff are doing it on on reputation alone. Oh yeah, with Alabama because I don't know that people are watching them very much, mostly because their games get out of hand so quickly, and then 
want to turn to something more competitive. Well, my fa- my favorite bit I do when I watch the game is whenever they bring in uh, the Hawaiian quarterback. What's oh, his to, name? Tua Tungavailoa. Yeah, you can say it. I can't. Uh, I'm always like, man, look how good he's playing despite not knowing English. Oh man, that that was my. That's my favorite tweet it, of all time. It's, so the if, be, it's the best thing of all that, time. You're you're all podcast listeners, so you're tech savvy and probably all have Twitter accounts. But for those who don't know, some Alabama and and I think it was he. I think the guy wrote it on a message. It was board. a message board. And, yeah, yeah. So some guy wrote this on a message where board. every every problem is solved yeah. in the world. And, and another Alabama fan screenshotted it and felt like he needed to give this unto the world. This message board post was a very earnest, very concerned message <laughs> that Tua Tungavailoa, despite his considerable skill set, might struggle in Alabama's offense because he does not speak English. Because he's from Hawaii, obviously. Right. Where they speak what language? <laughs> in what country? Something with a lot of vowels. <laughs> <laughs> it, dude, yes. it never gets old. every week this, i'm like this I, person was unfrozen from 1874 and does not realize hawaii's a state and then they speak english there i just want to I, like i just want to scream from the mountaintops like alabama's winning with a quarterback who doesn't even speak english it's and just amazing. see if anyone gets the joke but you know no one will because it's twitter and everyone just gets angry and like twitter, loves to tell you're wrong like, twitter's like five percent of the population you have to remember that i know if, and then the problem is because Facebook's where you get elected president. Facebook is where the real people are, the 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 people who actually matter and pay pay for stuff. Uh, Twitter is mostly people who work in the media. Yeah, it's media people yelling at each other, basically. Yeah, or praising each other. Yeah, or getting mad about the same thing, or yeah. promoting their podcast at Patt Podcast on Twitter. That's exactly right. <laughs> All right, let's let's look at some other games. God, this is such a crazy slate. So you know what? Let's do this here because I actually have a pick play for everyone out there. Let's throw some cash around this week. This is Patrick's pick play. All right. Well, I'm not Patrick. I'm Dustin filling in for Patrick with Andy Staples here on Place at the Table. This is a game. To me, screams the better team will cover. I'm down on the team they're facing. We head to the Big Ten, Andy Staples. I'm intrigued. The Nittany Lions. Uh huh. I had a feeling you were going here. Are giving eight and a half points oh. against Michigan State. See, this is a this is a fifty fifty. It's a Penn rebound St- for both teams. Penn State's either going to lose this game or win this game by forty. Yeah. That's the problem. I mean, the end of that Michigan State game was freaking wild. And we've seen a team with a dynamic offense score a lot on Michigan State. Notre Dame. I just think Penn State's angry. Barkley's got a Heisman to win. McSorley's got something to prove. You're jumping all over this one. I love, like, full disclosure, I emptied my bank account last weekend betting on college football. Well, I hope you were using mybookie.ag. I am because... I put money in, and they hooked me up with a bonus last week. Nice. Well, if you use the promo code PATT, you get up to a 50% bonus. MyBookie.ag, you need your holiday cash. Well, you listen to this podcast. We give you some good advice. You throw down some cash, and maybe you get some more cash. MyBookie.ag, great. You know, they have lines on all the games. They also have lines on interesting stuff. Earlier this week, they had a line on who the next Tennessee coach was going to be. Now, that one closed on Halloween. But there's all kinds of fun stuff you can work with, too. It's not just the same stuff you'd get at the Sportsbook in Vegas. So mybookie.ag, use promo code P-A-T-T. You play, you win, and you get paid. i got to be honest with you, man. I didn't start gambling until I met Patrick about a year and a half ago. And putting money on, like, you're a true college football fan. Like, you you I, can watch every game I, I without I invested need, interest. I don't need the rush to watch this Navy Temple game. But, like, <laughs> I will throw money. For me on the West Coast, too, it's a 9, 9 a.m. kickoff. I will throw money on the Big Ten noon kickoffs on the East Coast just so I wake up and I have something to kind of get me going and get me fired up about the rest of the day. See, for me, that's bacon. <laughs> that does the trick for me. But money would be good. Money winning the the possibility of winning money, I think, is a, a very good motivating factor to get up. I mean, it's and then you win the money, and then you reinvest the money like minutes later because they 
my bookie just puts it right back in your account right away, right when the game ends. So then you can put that on some more games. And that's where I get into trouble. Then I start like second guessing some some of my bets and I live bet while the game's going on. The line moves. Like I got screwed last week with Miami. Um I had them in game that started the game, I think they were minus twenty. In game it dropped to minus five. And I was like, Miami should cover uh-huh. five points against North Carolina, threw money on it, and <laughs> we're well, like, oh no. They didn't. They didn't. <laughs> However, it was still fun. It was still fun throwing the money around. I've won. I mean, I was up a lot earlier in the year, and then I just got a little reckless with baseball. I found out I'm a football guy. I'm not a baseball guy. I just, I, you know, the idea of betting on baseball is, is strange to me because it, the just the mechanics of it, because the runs are few and far between, or they're or they happen abundant. all the time. Yeah, but. You know, I understand football point spreads much better. Oh, yeah. Football point spreads make sense to me. I think that's why football is is one of the reasons football is so popular. It is easier to gamble on. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like 98% of its popularity is that it's so easy to gamble on. That even people who don't care about betting know the lines. Like, for instance, Arizona getting seven points heading to USC. That's so interesting. And Khalil Tate. Now, this is... So Khalil Tate has been putting up insane numbers. 13.4 yards a carry, 11.7 yards a pass attempt. There is nobody in college football that explosive. The fact that he's done it game after game after game is crazy. So now he plays against USC. And now is the first time he's going to play on ESPN or Fox or one of those. He's been on the Pac-12 network every game since he won the job. He's going to be on ESPN at USC, and it's going to be one of those deals where USC is going to make him look human, and everybody's going to go, oh, well, not noticing that he had this amazing month. Or he's going to do what he's done to everybody else. Ungodly things. Let's just give him the Heisman right now. Yeah. See, what what do you make of the USC defense? Because... I like the USC defense, but I don't know if there's a defense in the country I like going up against a dual threat like Khalil Tate right well, they're, now. Well, they're they're healthier than they were. Like, you know, we keep going back to them getting destroyed by Notre Dame, but they're a lot healthier than they were against Notre Dame. So it, it's not – they're not going to get pushed around at the line of scrimmage as much. Although they are uh, – Porter Gustin is out again, so that's, that's, a, that's a loss because that's a guy you with some speed off yeah. the edge – who with Khalil Tate, you need some big fast guys. You hope he can chase because, him down. Well, or chase him down, or at least contain him. It's easier to have contain when you're fast too. So that's why that that is usually the goal of of a defensive end or a three four outside linebacker who rushes the passer against a guy like Khalil Tate. It's not so much go get him; it's keep him in a confined space until our fast guys or or a bunch of other big yeah. guys can jump on top of him. And and that's the hard part. It it's it was the same with Johnny Manziel. The problem with it, and how how it messes you up on defense, is you can have a great pass rush, but he's so elusive that what should be a sack against another quarterback, once he slips it, if you don't have a guy sitting there spying him, he's got twenty, thirty, forty more. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah. So. That's that's the problem that that you run into with a guy like this. Now it, it's amazing to me, and I, I the stories are just starting to come out on this guy because it's it's been kind of an under the radar thing. But he played last year. It wasn't like he was redshirt. Oh, I didn't year. even know that he played last year and was human. He averaged four yards a carry. Huh? Is that Rich Rod just learning how to use him better, catering it, the offense to fit I, his I, style? I, I think it may be them kind of figuring out how to use him. And Rich Rod's a very good coach. And he's one of those guys that if he senses something, a weakness in the defense, he's going to exploit it. And he's figured something out about this guy that makes him very tough to stop. And and at some point, I'd imagine there's going to be a defensive coordinator who can who has the scheme and the players to figure out. Maybe it's Clancy Pendergast this week. But you know, if if Khalil Tate does the same thing to USC that he did to Colorado to Washington State, you know, to UCLA. If he does the same thing to all these guys, to, to, UC, to USC, we absolutely need to put him on every Heisman list we can. And then 
I think if they win this game, there's a very good chance Arizona will wind up winning the Pac-12 South. Oof, man. And Rich Rod was part of that buyout life for a little bit there, a couple weeks. We discussed yeah, you know, him possibly. I don't possibly... think we need to discuss him much anymore. <laughs> Here's a weird one. Does this mean Rich Rod could get another job? Could Khalil Tate be so good that Rich the, Rod could get another the, big job? Does he get to bring Khalil Tate? I mean, after Khalil Tate. If he does like two years with Khalil Tate, uh, crushing people. It's it's possible. It's very possible. And heck, he might get one this year. Think about all the jobs that are going to be open. Because I'm still not like, I know Rich Rod, what, what happened at Michigan, it didn't, it didn't go according to plan, obviously. We know. But I still that's think that's a guy he, that can lead a huge yeah, program. He's, he's a good coach. It just did not work out in that particular spot. Where uh, it's not working out for Jim Harbaugh right now, by the way. And it didn't work out for Brady Hoke. Right. It's working out. Well, I guess Jim Harbaugh and, and Brady Hoke have similar records. I still feel like they're a better program under Jim Harbaugh than they were under Brady Hoke. Uh, we'll see with Brandon Peters. Does does the offense get better? Because if it does, they're going to be just fine. Dude, it's starting year. to feel like Florida when it was like Jacoby Brissett. Jeff Driscoll, yeah. no, the, yeah, the, yeah, or yeah. even Florida State at the end of the Bowden era with like yeah. Drew Weatherford, Xavier Lee. This is the guy we finally have the quarterback. Man, I covered Drew Weatherford in high school. That dude was awesome, just awesome. But you know that, what I'm saying, right? Like, it I, just, no, no, no. What I'm saying is that tells you how good the guys are when they get great in college. The guys who are great in college are otherworldly because Drew Weatherford was amazing in high school. Yeah, and he was. Just okay at Florida State. But you get what I'm saying, right? We just keep saying, like, oh, this is the quarterback. This quarterback's going to change everything. And they keep not changing anything, and we end up back where we started. Jameis Winston changed it for him. but Well, change it for Jimbo. But at the end of the the Bowden era, like, it just wasn't working. No, it it wasn't a quarterback issue. It was a coaching issue. And, yeah, and and that's what I think Florida might have come to that conclusion a little bit, along with uh, some other factors that caused him to, to get rid of of Jim McElwain, but you know, I, cause I wonder, will, will the next coach come in and then make someone who's already on the roster look good? Kind of like Bill O'Brien did when he got to Penn state. That's a good call. That's a good call. All right. Let's look at some other contests coming up on Saturday. Ohio state at Iowa is interesting to me because I feel like Kirk Ferentz always has a game or two every year where he knocks off someone he has no business beating. Maybe yep. he already did that with Iowa State, or maybe he has another one left in the chamber. Who knew that was the best non-conference win in the Big Ten this year? <laughs> Who knew? <sighs> but, no, I mean, look, Iowa's defense is always where it's supposed to be. And they almost got Penn State. They, they're not, right. They, they already limited a very dynamic offense. So it's not out of the question that they'd be able to do it again. So uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm certainly not writing off Iowa in this game. Although I do think Ohio State has has hit a, you know, hit a role. And and I was very skeptical of Ohio State's offense because I felt like they'd feasted on a bunch of you know mediocre teams. They looked very good against Penn State, and J T Barrett was playing out of his mind. Yeah. And if he plays like that, it does not matter. No, but we've They're also seen J T Barrett I, look very moral. Right. Very we recently. We have. And that's the part uh, I'm trying to figure out. Was Saturday the new normal? Or was that just his best game ever? Something tells me it was sandbagging uh, on Urban Meyer's part, not showing his full hand. And now when the games matter a little bit more down a loss that they're But they mattered against up. Oklahoma. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, all right, all right, all right, all right. That's fair. That's fair. Um, another game that people might be overlooking because all I keep hearing is, you know, Notre Dame beat NC State. They beat USC. All they got to do is beat Miami and Stanford. That's however, <laughs> however, don't sleep on Wake Forest this week. Don't. 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 Wake Forest is not bad. Mike Elko, the defense coordinator at Notre Dame, came from Wake Forest. Dave Clawson knows his tendencies. And obviously Elko knows Clawson's tendencies, too, on offense. So, I just I think Notre Dame can out talent them. I realize it's a trap game between two really good teams, but it's at home, and Notre Dame can out talent them. The one I, I'd be more worried about is is Navy sitting there between Miami and yeah and Stanford. Totally different preparation. Um, totally different preparation, and then they just beat you up. And even if you beat them, it leaves you a little bit hobbled going into Stanford. Yeah, no, I think that's a good call too. Do never sleep on Navy because they're always good to knock someone off. Exactly. Um, 
Here's a weird game. Number four, Clemson. Number 20, NC State. Mm -hmm. Why do I feel like NC State's the better overall team? That's wrong. They're not. Clemson's way more talented. And if if, if Kelly Bryant's healthy, Clemson's fine. They're I think that's game. why. Because I don't yeah. know where Kelly Bryant right. stands. And he's playing against a very good defensive line this week. But And we've seen what Clemson looks like without him. I And, and I, I think I may be getting sucked in by the way NC State lost to Notre Dame and thinking, well, Clemson is even more talented than Notre Dame is just going to push them around. But I need to think back to last year when NC State went into Clemson and should have beaten them with a lot of the same people. Should have beaten the team that won the national title. So now they're going to be at Carter Finley Stadium, which is one of the tougher places to play in the ACC. They're, they're going to be wild. You remember a few years ago when they beat Florida State there, that fat dude who was on the pole waving his shirt around as Petey Pablo commands all citizens of North Carolina to do. <laughs> yeah. That dude is going to be back. It's going to be wild. So I wish it was at night. I, I think that would be a little more raucous. But 3.30, fine. I got it. it. I still think NC State is going to have a little something for him. Clemson's the better team. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win the game. No, they're better. They're better than Syracuse. They're a better team than Syracuse. Lost to them. Yeah, that's that's Bryant hurt though. And if Bryant's True. healthy, I think it's a different different deal. True. All right, another game, a big one. Number thirteen, Va Tech heading to number ten, Miami. Hard Rock Stadium will not be a rockin' because there is zero home field <laughs> advantage for the Canes. Oh, R.I.P. the O.B. So. <laughs> If Notre Dame gets past Wake Forest, by the way, what are the odds there are more Notre Dame fans at Hard Rock Stadium than Miami fans when they play? Oh, I I would put it at sixty five percent Notre Dame fans. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be like a a home game. It's going to be the opposite of Notre Dame's Georgia game, which was like a Georgia home game. Um, yeah, but so Virginia Tech coming into a a you know probably fairly sleepy hard rock stadium even though this is a night game and, and they'll they'll get up a little bit and they're favored by the way on the road the Hokies by two and a half they are and I look Miami's lived dangerously now they're playing a team oh, yeah. that doesn't make a lot of mistakes so it makes sense that this would be this would be the game but here's the deal I mean if Miami's players grasp the stakes of this game where you win this you are probably playing for the ACC title yeah it's not like – I don't think there's a big talent gap between Miami and Virginia Tech. No, no. Here, here's the thing so, with Miami, right, is it feels like this is what they do. They hang around mm -hmm. all game, and they keep it close. They keep they it close. they wait for you to screw up. And then at the end, they play this dink and dunk offense mm -hmm. to score on a final oh, drive when right. you're in prevent. Or, or, they, or they make a just bananas catch. Two of them. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that's right. One in the end zone against Florida State, and then the one to keep the drive like, uh, against Georgia Tech. Eventually, luck like that runs out. I know, but like Berrios, Herndon, they just throw these short passes to these guys. Yeah. They run out of bounds. They're pretty smart. Mark Richt has obviously got them coached up. I, At some point, it's going to catch up with them. I don't know if it's this week because everyone's just assuming well, Virginia Tech's going to win. But You know how I feel about Mark Richt, quarterback, coach, and play caller. I'm a big fan. Mark Rick, just CEO, letting somebody else do that? Not so much. Yeah. But hands-on Mark Rick like he is now? I Look, if Mark Rick is calling plays and his team has the ball with about two and a half minutes left and they're down three or they're down two, I like Miami's chances. You get me jacked up for this one. Yeah. I huh. like Miami. I was, I was at the hobnail boot game at Tennessee in 2001. That is a play calling masterclass yeah. by Mark Rick. All right. All right. Well, now you know what? I'm I was come every week I come into it going, this is the week. This is the week they're going to lose. You know what I feel like this week? This is the week they're going to win, so they're probably going to lose. Probably. <laughs> I sorry, I got your hopes up. Um don't no, bet don't bet with your heart, buddy. Obviously the big game of the weekend, we got Bedlam. Number 5 Oklahoma at Oklahoma State, ranked 11th in the country. What's your feeling on this game this year? So, it's a this is a weird series. Oklahoma dominates it. It should not be this lopsided. I mean, I understand why it was historically. 
It should not have been for the last few years. Oklahoma State should be fairly even with them just based on where the game is, where these two teams are at. Oklahoma State should win this game. I'm still picking Oklahoma because I think it comes down to Oklahoma State's offensive line. Now, I know that they've got some guys back from when they played Texas, but it was very disturbing watching them not be able to run against a three-man front when, when they played Texas. And Oklahoma has not quite as good athletes up front as Texas does, but they're close. And my feeling is if you can block Oklahoma's pass rush, you can, you can throw all over them. Like you can put up 50. If you're Oklahoma State, you can put up 50, 60 points on yeah. them if you can block them. But I'm not sure they can block them. That, that's, that's the problem. If they can block them, I'm going to be completely wrong, and Oklahoma State is going to roll. All right, let me ask you this. One final drive. All things are equal, offensive line, weapons, all that. <laughs> Baker. <laughs> give me Baker. Baker, Baker yeah, over Baker. Mason? Yep. Have, have more Oklahoma quarterback names than Baker Mayfield and Mason Rudolph. Except one's from Austin, Texas, and one's from Rock Hill, South Carolina. They're still playing in Oklahoma. <laughs> I know. That's all that matters. All right, well, that Ma- was— Mason, Mason Rudolph is actually an SEC tight end name. Fair. Fair. All right, I like that. I, I, I could see him playing tight end. I can see that. Uh, you know what? Let's do this real quick here. Name a city, and Andy has eaten there. Choose a restaurant, and he'll break it down better than a cover two defense. Let's find out what's good. Got to figure something out. I, I have not been on the road of late. I, I did a couple day trips for a magazine story I was doing on a UCF player, but um, I tell you what, we'll play a little Stump Andy's Stomach. You name the town. Yeah, I was just going to say. I'll, t- I'll tell you where to eat. Well, let's go to the game we were just talking about, Stillwater. Well, that's Eskimo Joe's. Get the cheese fries. That's just kind of the iconic place there. I don't really have much else for Stillwater. You know, they're not fans of people who work for Sports Illustrated. They're not? Well, there was that Because you out st- Yeah, you out I, them when I they had, break rules? I had nothing to do with that series, by the no, way. No, but that's not how it works. You're associated with them, so you're yeah, the same. So, But yeah, so that's, that's, that's the deal. But uh, the, there is a... What's the, there was a barbecue place I went to years ago in, in Tulsa, because sometimes you'll fly into Tulsa if you're going to Stillwater. You basically have the choice of going to OKC or, or Stillwater. So there's a, a barbecue place in Tulsa called Elmer's, uh-huh. and they have a sandwich called the Bad Witch, and it's like pork brisket, one rib, and sausage and bologna. See, I'm not a fan of that. It's overwhelming. I, I like love, them all by themselves. I, I, Although I, I do love, like Brunswick I, stew, which is everything. I love being overwhelmed. Brunswick stew is fantastic. You want to know where you can get some, maybe yes. the best Brunswick stew on earth? Yes. Southern Soul, St. Simons Island, Georgia. Dude. I, it, I am somehow fatter in LA than I was when I lived in Georgia. Well, that's because you have all this different food from basically yeah. every nationality, every cuisine is there. But if I was back in Georgia, it'd be like barbecue, Chick-fil-A, Zaxby's every day. I throw out the Zaxby's. You don't like Zaxby's, right? Oh, it's the worst. Why? Well, I don't understand how you... It's it's simple and perfect, and the Zax sauce no, is incredible. It's not simple. It's simple, but they don't do it perfectly. Raising Cane's does it perfectly. You know, I passed the Raising Cane's yesterday driving here in California, and I'd never been. So you're telling me that Raising Cane's does what Zaxby's does, but better? Way better. All right, then I need to check it out. I need yeah. to check it out. No, I mean, the, the fingers are dry sometimes. I kind of like it because I'm a big breathe. sauce guy. I like sauce. It's just mustard and mayonnaise mixed together. You know that, right? No, it's not. There's so much. <laughs> it's way more complex than mustard and mayonnaise. No, it's not. No restaurant secret sauce is complex. <laughs> McDonald's secret sauce is Thousand Island. Wait, so when you go to Chick-fil-A, what's the sauce you get? I'm sure you're a Polynesian guy. I don't get sauce because I don't need it. It's it's cooked properly. No, like Chick-fil-A sauces are far and away the best sauces in the fast food game. If I have to get a sauce, if I'm gun to my head, I'm going Polynesian. But I, when I get Chick-fil-A nuggets, I don't. Get sauce. First of all, the nuggets are the worst thing on the Chick-fil-A menu. I don't know why you would order them. Well, I'm saying, why would I put sauce on anything else? A Chick-fil-A, I get a spicy chicken sandwich. Okay. Yeah, you can't can't do sauce on spicy unless it's like mayo or blue cheese or ranch or something like that. And mayo is is the devil's dressing. I mean, it, it, it tastes like despair feels. It's the worst thing on earth. 
Chick-fil-A's mayo has like sugar in it, so it tastes incredible. No, uh, it's still awful because it's mayo. Their honey mustard. You call it aioli? Still awful. Their honey mustard is the single best honey mustard on earth. Never had better honey mustard than Chick-fil-A. I feel like there's very little distinction between these things. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let me give you one more city. All right. If uh, Let's stay out of the southeast. Let's see. How about USC right here in Los Angeles? All right. So my favorite thing to do when I go to L.A. is follow the Kogi Barbecue Twitter feed and find out where they are going to set up so I can go get short rib tacos. That good. They are amazing. I feel so like I've heard of them. They have a um, they have an Orange County truck. They have a South L.A. County truck, a North L.A. County truck, and a Valley truck. So they're or all no, over the place. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you just follow them on Twitter, and they'll tell you where what parking lot they're set up in, basically, and you go get it. Mm. And the short rib tacos are incredible. You stalk a food truck on Twitter. I stalk chicks I'm trying to ask out on dates. So that's where we stand in life. Well, the short rib tacos will never turn you down. And apparently long, they, they won't put in for a restraining order either. No, they've never done that. <laughs> well, all right. This was a fun edition of the podcast. Uh, Mr. Staples, this weekend, a lot of action. Where are you going to be? On my couch watching it all. It's the best. There's too much to follow. If, yeah. if I go to a game, I miss other stuff. And, and when there's so much going on, I really like to be able to kind of focus on some stuff you just summed up exactly why i don't like going to sporting events i can't watch all the other games and i get the best camera angles from my couch exactly right i i am excited it is going to be a blast the tv networks have finally figured out how to space things out there are good games in the noon eastern window there are good games in the 3 30 eastern window there are good games in the eight o'clock window and in pac 12 after dark Khalil Tate against USC. Of course. It's yes. going to be incredible. Uh, download, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, pattpodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash podcast. Shoot us an email, place at the table pod at gmail.com. Final words from you, Andy Staples. You don't need the sauce at Chick-fil-A. Just <laughs> Just eat the chicken. All right, so it was life advice this time. I'm Just Dustin Sweetelson. He's Andy Staples. This is Place at the Table. We'll talk to you next time.